Um, I am not a member of the motorcycle. I don't know if you could tell <laughs> with the sweater and the, and the collared shirt. I'm an, I'm an, all those groups he mentioned, I'm an MWB, which is a motorcyclist wannabe. I would love, <laughs> man, I would love, I'm like, I gotta, if I could get it approved to get a motorcycle, I would totally be in. <laughs> who do you need to get it approved by? You know who I need to get it approved by. <laughs> so, <laughs> We're so glad you're with us today. Thanks for coming to the 1015. It's a full house today. If you're watching online, thanks for watching online. We also have services at 9 and, t and 1130 with a few open seats. If you feel like branching out of your like, firm Sunday morning traditions, um, but uh, as the church is growing, A, I would love to meet you if you're new here. We'd love to get you connected to the church, get you introduced to a few people. And also, as the church grows, we're, we're going to keep making room for people, so we will uh, do that Easter Sunday, or Easter weekend. Stephen mentioned it. We're going to add a Saturday service, and if we need to do that in the future to make more room, we want to make more room. So that's how we're going to roll. That's how we're going to ride. <laughs> See, I could totally be in. All right, if you have your Bible here, turn to, I know that's what you were thinking. Oh, he could totally be a Christian motorcycle guy. Um, if, you have a, if you have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 8. We're going to be in Mark chapter 8 today. So what we've been doing over the last few weeks and what we're going to do leading up to Easter weekend, really focus in on one of the Gospels, the teachings, the ministry of Jesus. We recognize Easter weekend being, you know, kind of the, the moment where the culmination of our faith, that moment of Jesus' death and resurrection you know, such so foundational to our faith and uh, this church, we want to focus on that, the, the ministry of Jesus. So we've called the series Good News, and we're looking at some of the teachings, some of the miracles of Jesus. Today, we're going to start in Mark chapter 8. Now, we're going to also look back a couple of chapters throughout the message, but that's where we're going to start today. Um, we're going to title this message, It's Not About the Bread. And it's going to make a little bit more sense in just a minute, but the message title today is It's Not About the Bread. And so we're going to start talking uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 14, and I'm just going to read the first sentence and pause there for a minute. Now, this is Jesus. He is, what happens a lot is Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's performing miracles, but then because he's performing miracles, he's always got a crowd around him. So him getting alone with the disciples to teach them or him finding a place of quiet to pray is harder to do because everyone knows he's the guy that's performing miracles. He's feeding people. He's healing people. He's casting out evil spirits. So everybody is following Jesus. So often what would happen is Jesus would get in the boat with the disciples now, this was also because of transportation. To cross the Sea of Galilee or to travel around, they would get into the boat and they would go. You know, it's, if you ever hear the stories of the sea, the waves rose up. Well, that's the Sea of Galilee. It's a very large lake. And so this is what's happening right now. Jesus has uh, sent the disciples in the boat. Um, and then that's where we're picking it up in Mark chapter 8, verse 14. So the disciples are in the boat now. They had forgotten to bring bread, and they only had one loaf with them in the boat. We're going to pause there. I am um, notorious for one thing when I'm packing for a trip. I will think about all the, the, the extra things just in case. So if I'm getting on a plane, I'm going to think, well, I'll need my iPad, and I'll download some movies or TV shows, and then I'll need my earbuds. But then the airplanes get really loud, so I've got an extra fancy 
speaker set of headphones that are kind of noise canceling, so I'll bring those two just in case. And well, what if someone else needs headphones? So then I'll have a splitter. And then I'll have my laptop in case I want to do work and the iPad, and I know you're not supposed to put. So when you get onto an airplane with me, I'm a disaster, because I'm like, what do I want in the overhead bin? Um, I can put the laptop in the seat back in front of me, even though they say don't do that. I, I disobey that rule sometimes. And I'm just like, all these things. I can think about those things, and then I'll get to the destination where I'm going, and I'll open my suitcase, and I'll realize I forgot shirts or socks, <laughs> like something far more important. Anyone else like me? No, I, this is what's happening with Jesus in the disciples. They get into the boat, and they realize they forgot to bring food. This would be a longer journey. This is a different culture than us. Food was scarce. It's important to have food. They would need to pack it with them. And they forgot to bring food. They only had one loaf of bread. So I'm going to continue on. They only had one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them. Jesus is with them in the boat. And he cautioned them saying, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? This is where we get the title of the sermon, It's Not About the Bread. So there is a lot going into this encounter with the disciples. There's a lot of backstory leading up to this. There's a lot of significance and meaning in here. This is why we encourage you to bring your Bibles to church and also have your Bibles, an actual Bible with paper and everything like that, so that you can read and you can kind of get some of the context. It's important to know these stories, kind of what's leading up to it. Because if all you see is these verses on a screen, or all you read was those verses, they're in the boat, they forgot the bread, and Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, and they're like, I think he's still talking about the bread. And Jesus is like, I'm not talking about the bread. You're going to read that, and you're going to think, the Bible is weird, right? What does this have to do with anything? But you've got to understand a little bit of what's going on. So we're going to come back to that verse in just a few minutes. But first, I want to kind of explain a little bit of what's happening. First of all, leaven. Leaven is a weird word, and I'm going to say it about 50 more times this morning, and it's going to sound more weird the more times I say it. Leaven is essentially yeast. It's what goes into bread to cause the bread to rise. Okay, so leaven is a living organism. It feeds on the sugar. It's something that's put into the bread dough, and it feeds on the sugars in the bread dough, and it emits CO2, carbon dioxide, as it does this. And that is what causes the little air bubbles in the bread when you bake it. So you put the leaven in, and you work it around, and then it rises, and then you bake it, and you get nice, fluffy bread. This is what leaven does. And so the point is, leaven is a living thing. It is active, it affects everything. A little bit in a big batch of dough will eventually affect the whole batch of dough. A little amount causes big change. That's what we're talking about with leaven. So again, lots of backstory leading up to this. The first time leaven is mentioned in the Bible is way back in Exodus. So this is during the Passover. This is during the Israelites when they are slaves in Egypt. And God is performing miracles and putting the plagues on Pharaoh and the Egyptians. And he sends the gnats and the flies and the boils and the locusts. And he turns the water into blood. And all of these things, all designed to get Pharaoh to let the Israelites go free. We're, we're somewhat familiar with that story. 
Now, the last of the plagues is when God comes and says, I'm going to send an angel, and every firstborn of the Egyptians is going to be struck, struck down. But what I want for the Israelites is to take a lamb, and we know this as the Passover, take a lamb, and you're going to sacrifice the lamb, and you're going to make a feast out of that. You're going to cook it and eat it. But before you do, take some of the blood of the lamb and put it on the doorpost of your house. This signifies that when the angel of the Lord comes, the blood on the doorpost of the house will signify to the angel, this is an Israelite, we will pass over that house as we are performing the final plague. This is what's happening. Obviously, that is a significant foreshadowing to Jesus, him laying down his life, the blood of the lamb providing life for us. However, as part of that Passover, it's more than just the lamb and the blood. God also gives the instructions to the Israelites. He speaks to Moses and says, tell the Israelites, in addition to the lamb and making a feast out of that, also make some bread, but make it unleavened bread. Bread that is not rising. Bread that does not have leaven in it. And then he also says, now, this feast that you're making with the lamb and the unleavened bread, meaning don't have bread that takes time to rise, he also instructs them, and eat with your belt fastened and the sandals on your feet. And in other words, what God is telling the Israelites is, prepare a meal and be ready to go. Because at some point, God's going to move, and the angel is going to do what the angel does, and Pharaoh is going to say to the Israelites, okay, it's time to go, and after generations of slavery, God is going to provide freedom for the Israelites, and the last thing we need in that moment is somebody who, when it's time to go to freedom, somebody saying, ah, but the bread isn't ready yet, right? This is kind of what's happening. God is saying, make a feast. Do unleavened bread so you don't have to wait for the dough to rise and eat with your belt fastened and the sandals on your feet. In other words, take this meal and be ready to go, right? Eat on the run. If you've ever been told it's not good to eat and then run, you can say to that person, it's in the Bible. This is what happened. <laughs> so this is the first time that leaven was mentioned and unleavened bread. And from that moment on of the Passover in Exodus, God gives instructions to Israel and to the Jewish people, which is still observed in Jewish traditions today, the feast of unleavened bread. For seven days, remove all leaven from your house, only make unleavened bread, just as a reminder of what God did, just as a reminder of you got to be ready to move when God says it's time to move. Okay, this is the significance of that. So when Jesus in the boat with the disciples is saying, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees, they're going to understand what leaven is, because it's part of their tradition, they're not really going to know, why is he saying that about us? Why is he talking about bread? And again, what's the title of today's message? It's not about the bread. Okay, so this is leaven. Leaven is referred to in the New Testament. It can be referred to as something good and something bad. In Galatians, um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is warning about false teachers and saying, don't listen to them, don't listen to them. And in Galatians 5, 5, he says, watch out for the false teachers a little bit of leaven will affect the entire batch of dough. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. What Paul is saying is watch out for that false teaching because like leaven, just a little bit will have a big impact. A little bit will spread throughout the whole batch. But then Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God in Matthew 13. And he says the kingdom of God is like leaven. A little bit will have a big impact. So when All that to say this, when Jesus in the book of Mark is warning his disciples to watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees, what is he saying? 
He's saying, do not think like they think. Don't have the cares of the world like the Pharisees do. Don't think like the world does and approach your life like the world does because just a little bit of that worldly thinking, like leaven, is going to come in and make a huge impact. It's going to affect the whole batch. So the whole point of this message today, and it's going to be up on the screen, is this statement right here. The cares of this world are in opposition to the work of God in you. The more you are like the Pharisees and like everyone else in that day and age, that you're thinking about all the cares of the world, which is why Jesus in that moment when the disciples were worried about bread, what he's taking that moment to teach them. You don't need to be so concerned about the cares of this world in that moment. Now, if you're in the boat, and if I'm in the boat, I'm thinking the same thing that the disciples are. It's like, yeah, but bread's kind of important, right? We're going to need to eat something. So why is Jesus saying you don't need to worry about the bread? Well, this is where the backstory of the last couple of chapters really comes in. So this is kind of a culmination of a lot of things that Jesus has been teaching. A lot of times he's been performing miracles, and what he's trying to get the disciples to learn is you're focused on the worldly things rather than focused on Jesus who can take care of all the worldly things in miraculous fashion. Does that make sense? So it started a couple chapters before in Mark chapter 6, and we mentioned this miracle last week. Jesus feeds the 5,000. So if you went to Sunday school, you kind of know this story. There's 5,000 men, not including women and children, so many thousands of other people around Jesus as he's teaching. And Jesus says, it's the end of the day, and everyone's like, they don't have any food. Again, someone forgot to pack some food, and obviously wouldn't have known that 5,000 people were going to show up. And there's one boy who has five loaves and two fishes, and he gives it to Jesus, and Jesus breaks the bread and blesses it, and there's all of a sudden enough food for everybody. So this is what happened in Mark chapter 6. And right after that, and you'll read this in Mark chapter 6, verse 45, it says, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. Okay? So immediately after that miracle of the 5,000, so what should happen with the disciples is recognize, wow, Jesus is a miracle worker. He took five little loaves and two fish and fed, you know, thousands and thousands of people. So immediately from there, he got his disciples to go in the boat, and he said, I'm going to dismiss the crowd. You go in the boat. You start rowing across the Sea of Galilee, and I'm not sure when they were planning on meeting up, but that's what was happening, and Jesus dismissed the crowd, and then he went up on the mountain to pray. I believe that this was certainly an intentional discipleship moment for the disciples, where Jesus is saying, okay, you've just seen me do this miracle, Now we're going to give you a little pop quiz on your faith and see where your faith's at. So he sends them in the boat, and they start rowing across the Sea of Galilee, and the winds come up, and the storm comes up, and Jesus is on the mountainside praying, and he can see the disciples in the boat battling against the wind. And so he decides to walk out to them on the water and to help them in their struggle against the storm. And so this is what happens as they're rowing in Mark chapter 6, verse 49. This is what happens next. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out. And if you think that's, you know, kind of like, I would have never done that, you're lying. Because if you see somebody walking on the water in the middle of the night, you're going to cry out too. I would. Maybe even the motorcycle guys would too. (laughs) And then cried out. 
For, all, for they all saw him and were terrified, but immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded. And then there's this word again, this sentence again. For they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Why is everybody talking about bread? But this was a moment where Jesus was recognizing, These disciples have just seen me perform a miracle. They've seen me take five loaves and two fish and feed a multitude. And now the first time they're away from that, again, they're convinced that they're in danger. They're looking at the cares of the world, the wind and the waves, as would be pretty natural, instead of looking at Jesus, the one who can perform miracles. And they're amazed when he gets in the boat and the wind calms down. And what Jesus is saying is you shouldn't be amazed. This is what I do. This is what it is to have life with Jesus, expecting him to move in the miraculous rather than just being concerned with all the cares of the world. Does that make sense? This is what we're setting up. So then that happens, and then the story continues on. When we get to chapter 8 again, chapter 8 starts with another miracle about feeding thousands of people. There's the feeding of the 4,000. And another time where there's crowds gathered around, and another time there's not enough food, this time there's someone who has seven loaves, and the Lord blesses them, feeds the multitudes so that everyone has food and there's more left over. This is the feeding of the 4,000. And again, what happens is Jesus says, okay, disciples, you get in the boat. Let's get in the boat. And now if you're a disciple and I'm a disciple, I'm thinking, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not falling for this again. Jesus, fool me twice and shame on me. Whatever, you, you can't get fooled again, whatever the point. I would be thinking, no, this happened last time, and this was kind of a pop quiz, and so I would be ready for it. But what happens is they get in the boat again, this time Jesus with them, and that's when they discover somebody forgot to bring the bread, and they've only got one loaf. So you can imagine why Jesus is getting a little more frustrated this time. Because he's seen him perform a number of miracles, specifically two miracles that involve feeding thousands of people with very limited resources. And they still get in the boat, and they still think, we don't have enough bread. Well, of course Jesus is going to take that moment and say, hey, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. Watch out for that worldly thinking. Food is good, but watch out for a preoccupation or thinking the way the world does and miss that you are with Jesus, the miracle worker. This is what Jesus is teaching. So I'm going to read the rest of that story that we started out with. Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 14, and we're going to read through 21. You get more of an understanding of why Jesus is warning his disciples in this regard. So again, starting in 14. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, And they only had one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. Jesus must be talking about leaven because we don't have bread. And Jesus, aware of this, and what I add there is probably getting a little frustrated with his disciples, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not see... Uh, Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you take up? And they said to him, 12. There was 12 basketfuls left over. And the seven for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you take up? And they said, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? And what Jesus is teaching his disciples and what he's teaching his disciples today, and that's us, do you not understand? 
when you have thoughts for only the practical, only the cares of this world, you lose out room for faith in your life. Look at Jesus. Don't look at the one loaf of bread you have. Rather, look at the fact that Jesus is with you, and he can feed thousands with one loaf. He can calm the storm. He can cast out evil spirits. All you need to be cared for is being close to Jesus. This is what he's teaching you. And the more you get caught up in thinking about the cares of the world, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Do we have money? Do we have a place to stay? Again, all those things are fine. Food and, and place to stay is good. But what Jesus is saying is don't get so preoccupied with those things that you miss out on faith, that you miss out on the work that Jesus is going to do, performing miracles in any way, in every way, taking care for you. So, we're going to apply this verse to our life today. If you live under the thoughts and cares of this world, like leaven in bread, it's going to take over. It's going to spread. A little bit will come in, and it's going to spread. And you're going to become more and more preoccupied with, well, how am I taking care of myself? What's the responsible thing to do? What, what about this? Can I afford this? All these things. And you're going to notice it when God shows up and asks you to take a step of faith. And that's when you're going to notice that your life is preoccupied with the cares of this world. You'll notice it when God comes in and says, I want you to take a step of faith. When that happens, whether it's a step of faith of generosity or a step of faith of standing up for righteousness or a, a step of faith of, of doing something bold, trusting in that God's going to take care of you. In those moments where faith is required, if you are caught up in the cares of the world, all you're going to hear in those moments is the practical excuses why you can't do it. That's the cares of the world. That's where it leads. God's going to call you to do something, a step of faith, and all you're going to hear is, ah, that doesn't sound very responsible, right? That doesn't sound, we're gonna, we, God's calling you to smuggle Bibles into a part of the world that doesn't have the gospel, and you're going to think, oh, that sounds risky, right? I, I, I would be safer if I was at home. God's going to call you to be generous with resources, and you're going to say, oh, I don't know my 401k, and I don't know if I could, I have a plan for retirement, and I don't know if I could do that. And you're going to have all the voices that say, be responsible, be safe, look out for yourself. This is the leaven of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were known for looking out for themselves. It was all about puffed up, self-righteous religion. It was all about mistreating others so they could get what they wanted, acquiring stuff. There was moments in the story right before this where the Pharisees are telling Jesus, if you're really the Messiah, prove it. Give us a sign. Do something so that we know that we know that we know. In other words, take all the faith out of it. Do something for us so that we'll know that we'll put our faith in you. This is the thinking of the Pharisees. This is the thinking of our world. And when a step of faith is presented to us, if you've allowed the leaven of the world to come in and, and affect your life, all you're going to think about is the cares of this world. What is responsible? What if it costs me something? What if I have to make a sacrifice? We've been singing that song today. I will surrender everything. I make room for you to do whatever you want. That's the heart that Jesus wants in us. I'm not going to be worried and preoccupied with the practical when it's just a matter of taking a step of faith. Now, if you're like me, there's been times where I've felt those like practical voices. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I want you and I want me to grow in this where we have more of the kingdom of God in us, where we trust Jesus when a step of faith is required. Say, I'm with Jesus, so I am cared for. 
I'm with Jesus, so I know I'm provided for and protected. I'm with Jesus, and that is the safest place I can be because I am with the one who calms the sea and performs the miracles, right? So don't be overcome with the practical voices when a step of faith is required. Now, there are times where maybe you're not the practical voice, but maybe there's voices in your life, family members or friends or people who care for you, and you're explaining to them, I feel like God's calling me to do this. And you have the faith, but the voices around you are like, well, what, are you, what about this, right? Think about that. Have you thought about this? Can you, is that responsible? Think of the, ch- think of the children, you know, think of. Um, about 12 years ago, Christy and I, we, were, we, we felt called to take a step of faith. And it involved leaving our previous job that we had in another church. And this job was cool because it paid me a paycheck twice a month, <laughs> which was awesome. And so this practical voice when God was saying, we want you to, he said, we're going to resign your position and there's a new season of ministry coming down the road. And our our thought was great. You know, tell us what it is and how we'll be paid to wait. And we're all in. But Jesus said, no, just trust me. And so we had to battle our own practical voices of, well, what about this? What about this? What about this? And we also had to battle the practical voices, not from our family. Our family was very encouraging, but other friends and people who knew us like, are you sure that was God? That doesn't sound like God. Like, what are you going to do for paycheck? And, you know, what are you going to do for this? And we can battle those voices often, right? We can battle those voices. Don't, so all that to say, watch out for that worldly thinking voice in your life, but also don't be that to somebody else, right? There's, there's responsibility, there's wisdom, and all those things are great, but don't let that take the place over faith in your life. And when somebody else is saying, I feel called to do this, I want us to be marked by a faith voice, like encouragement. Yes, God's got this. Yes, pursue what God has for you. I'm going to pray with you for this decision so that we can collectively build that voice of faith rather than the concern for the things of this world, right? We, um, now, he's here today, so he is going to hate the fact that I'm going to tell this story, but my, my son, Charlie, um, he, uh, he had this moment of faith a few years ago. Now, we have four kids, three girls and one boy. You've probably met the three girls because they're very talkative and they probably come up to you and introduce yourself. You might not have ever met Charlie or made eye contact with Charlie, Um, but he's quiet, he's reserved, and he had a moment where they were raising money. He was going to run in a 5K run to raise money um, through 30 for Freedom and to raise money for work around the world. And so what we had told him is, like, just pray and and, and see if God gives you a number that you want to raise. And so, and there was another time where the youth group got together and said, okay, we're going to pray about what God has for you. Listen to God, and he's going to maybe give you a number that he wants you to raise, and then you're going to write that down on a commitment. And Charlie came home later that night, and we said, how'd it go? He said, good, I prayed, and I think God gave me a number. Again, this is very quiet, very reserved Charlie. And we're like, great. What was the number? And he said, I think God wants me to raise $500. And Christy and I, in that moment, we wanted to be the voice of faith, but in the back of our mind, we're like, oh, that means I'm going to have to write a $500 check <laughs> anonymously and, like, send it, like, yay! <laughs> Isn't God good? Yeah. But in that moment, we had the, the concerns of this world. We're like, oh, did you really? And we didn't say that, though. We wanted to encourage him in his faith. And we said, that's great. That's great. But secretly, maybe it wasn't Christy, but I think it was, too. It was definitely me like, ah, oh, why did it have to be 500 bucks? 
But he put the word out there. He started doing some things. He got the word out there, told people that I'm going to be running this 5K to raise money for human trafficking if you'd like to support me. And he raised well over $500. And we were like, see, Charlie, isn't God good? And (laughs) (laughs) towers of faith in that moment. So, uh, again, I I understand there's wisdom Right? And uh, this is not a call to be reckless in regards to finances and safety and all these things. You know, invest and save money. Buy groceries for your kids. Right? This is all fine. But be the voice that encourages faith above those things. Right? Be the, be the one that isn't so preoccupied with, well, how are we going to do this? And how are we going to do this? And don't be that voice for yourself. Don't be that voice for other people. Let's collectively pool our faith together. Amen? The goal is to be surrendered to God as we've been singing. So this is going to come up in a, in a few different ways. One we've already mentioned, the, the example of the boy with the loaves and fishes. A call, a moment to give something to Jesus and see what he does with this. Something about our resources, something that's in our life that we feel called to give to Jesus. A moment of generosity. That boy with the five loaves and two fish, when he's thinking, I, could give, I have food. They, don't, they need food. I have food. I could give this to Jesus. The practical voices are, well, that's not going to make a difference. Five loaves and two fish, there's thousands of people here. Another voice, maybe from a friend or family member next to him, like, don't give up what you've got. You're the only one with food here. You're going to need to eat something. And he's probably thinking, I'm going to need to share some of that. So don't give it all away. These are all the practical things, the cares of this world. It's all you've got. Don't give it to Jesus. Instead, the boy focused on, I know that Jesus is the miracle worker, and I'm going to have faith supersede the cares of this world. I want to make sure I'm listening to the wisdom of the kingdom of God and not the cares of this world. And he gives it and God blesses it. So that's one example. Maybe God is asking you to be generous with something and all you're thinking about is, I can't, you know, this, what would my accountant say and what would my wife or husband say? Have the voice of faith rise above that. That's an, an, an opportunity to give something in surrender. Another opportunity might be to stand up for something. I think of the story of Daniel in the Old Testament in Babylon when the Israelites had been taken into exile. And Daniel is told, no, we can, we can only bow down and pray to the gods of Babylon, to the leaders of Babylon. And he says, no, I'm going to pray to my God. I'm going to stand up for my faith. I'm going to do what is right, regardless if it costs me something. Now, a lot of people in that moment might have been like, Daniel, just don't rock the boat. Right? Don't stand out. What if it costs you something? What if you get in trouble? What if you offend somebody? What if this? And there's, there's a moment, and I want to talk to the students here. Students, you're going to be faced with this through school, and as you go to college, there's going to be tons of voices of the world that say, why do you have faith in this old book? What, the faith in Jesus is outdated, and the, the wisdom of the world is going to say all of these things, and that's an opportunity. Students and grown-ups to say, no, I am going to put faith in Jesus first, and I'm going to stand for what I know what is right, regardless if it costs me something, right? This is the, the, the wisdom of the kingdom of God versus the cares of this world. And stand against the wisdom of this world when it comes to all the voices in the world that are saying, this is what it means to be a human. This is what, it, you know, this is what we think about sexuality or greed or money or happiness or comfort or well, all of these things. There's the voices of the world, and for the followers of Jesus, there's always the moment we say, I'm not going to listen to the leaven, the wisdom of this world. I'm going to put Jesus first. And finally, there might be a time where it's a step of faith. You know, there's times to give something away. There's time to take a stand. And there might be time where God is saying, I want you to take this step of faith. And the practical voices. And this is illustrated in my mind where 
that moment two chapters before when Jesus walked out to the disciples in the boat and they're all freaking out. The, the Matthew account has an extra part of that story, which Mark doesn't, which I always wonder, like, why didn't Mark write this down? Because it's a pretty cool story. The rest of the story in Matthew is when Jesus is walking towards them. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, call me out of the boat and I'm going to walk to you. That's a step of faith. When Jesus says, okay, Peter, get out of the boat and step on the water and walk. That's a step of faith moment where the practical voices are like, no, boats float and people sink and there's gravity and you're safer in the boat and let's think about being responsible. But sometimes there's a voice of God saying, get out of the boat, take a step of faith, take a step of faith and trust Right? Trust that you're in the care of Jesus who can provide. Trust that you are in the care of Jesus. So not be allowing the wisdom of this world to come in and, and cloud out the voice of God that's saying, take a step of faith. Does that make sense? Because Peter walked on the water, and then eventually he got his eyes off of Jesus, and he began to sink, and Jesus saved him. And if you think that story is a failure because Peter sank, I think that story is a great success of faith because he stepped out of the boat. He was the only one to walk on the water that day. So this is the danger of worldly leaven, is that we would lose sight of God's ability to provide. We'd lose sight of God's ability to calm the storm, to raise the dead, to defeat an enemy, to take our humble offerings and multiply it to make a difference in the world. To take, you know, it's God calling to, to be a part of a motorcycle association that goes and makes a kingdom impact around the world. It's it's God calling you to give resources to this church so we can make a kingdom impact around the world. It's God calling you to share your faith or to stand for righteousness because your light is going to shine and make a difference around the world. This is the danger when we think about worldly things. The voice of faith is going to get drowned out by the cares of this world. And Jesus is teaching us to be fully surrendered, fully trusting, allow that kingdom leaven in your life to spread to make a difference to impact your entire life and not the cares of this world amen let's pray together and let's just take a minute as we were doing as we were worshiping earlier today just take a minute and personalize this what is god asking you to do is there a step of faith is there a call to stand is there a call to give something away or to be generous or a step of faith, and you have all the practical voices, and the same warning is for Jesus, for Jesus is for you today. Watch out for that way of thinking. Watch out for allowing the thoughts and cares of this world into your life, because that will take over. And instead, Jesus, we recommit and we say, like the boy with the food and Peter on the water, like Daniel in the lion's den, we trust in you when it doesn't make sense. And like those Israelites in Egypt when you were calling them to be ready to go, God, when you call us, we want to be ready. We don't want to be tied down. We don't want to be tied down by the cares of this world. Ultimately, God, we listen to the voice of faith that trusts you to lead us and provide for us and protect us and take care of us. That's how we want to live, with the voice of faith in our life. So, Lord, do that work in us. Help us as a community of believers at Homestead Church to be marked by just kingdom thinking and bold faith. We want to live that in our lives individually and collectively as a church. We trust you no matter what you call us to do. So thanks for that work in us. We want to live big kingdom lives, and we trust you in every way. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you for being with us at Homestead Church today.